it's important to take a, a moment to pause, right? Mm. It's important to remind ourselves, first of all, that each moment that goes by will not come again. We don't know how many moments are leading out in front of us. And because of that, it is a commodity, it is a resource that is not renewable. We and we and we don't even know how much we got. <laughs> right? And wow, that's heavy. You know, when you when you take a moment to stop about that and think about that, just that little step can allow me to go, wait a minute, what what am I worrying about right now? What am I fretting about? Why am I fretting about that thing? You know? What have what's really important? And I know I need those reality checks all the time. Hi, and welcome to Podcaster Stories. Each show, we'll have a conversation with podcasters across all mediums and share their story, what motivates them, why they started a show, how they grew the show, and more. We'll also talk about their personal lives and some of the things that have happened that have made them the person they are today. And now, here's your host, Danny Brown. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Podcaster Stories, where we meet the people behind the voices of the shows we listen to. This week, I have Eric Barnhart, and I hopefully I've said your surname correct, Eric. And if not, please feel free to you know, you know, like uh, tell me off in the the chat. <laughs> um, Eric is the host and founder of the Mindful Moment podcast, which looks to offer listeners a break from urban noise. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Um, I'm just going to hand over to you to give us a little introduction about yourself and and the show. Sure. Well, first of all, Danny, I want to thank you so much for being able to be a part of your podcast in this uh, season and this particular episode. You know, I came, uh, uh, we sort of connected uh, through our mutual uh, podcast host through Captivate uh, FM, which is fantastic, and Mark uh, and the team over there, brilliant folks. And we are a part of a group uh, that is open only to people who are users or uh, consumers of the platform or the different products that Captivate and Rebel Mace put out. And uh, Danny is one of the superstars. I'm just going <laughs> to give a shout out right now. Uh, Danny is one of the superstars of that group, that Facebook group. And I just always really appreciated the things that you have to say. I appreciate how helpful you are as a member of that community. It's like, okay, so if I want to be a part of a group, who would I? Danny Brown. That's what I want to be like <laughs> right there. And you have been just so helpful and informative, and I've just appreciated just our little interactions that we've had. So we've really met mostly uh, online through that group. And what a what a great uh, support group that is. What a great team Captivate is. And Danny, what a great member you are. And so when I heard that you were doing uh, podcaster stories and you were looking for people, I just signed me up because I would love to learn from folks like you who have been doing things like this, your own podcast for many years, and then being able to sort of flip it around on its head and be able to talk with other podcasters. Because I'm sure you guys have had a few pints you know, at the different <laughs> podcasting conventions and be able to swap stories back and forth. And I'm sure those are very compelling. I hope I will be able to hit at least come close to the bar uh, <laughs> measuring up uh, for, for your episode. But thank you again for having me here. No, for sure. For sure. And thanks. I like you say, I mean, that group's awesome. It's like, that's to me, that's what the podcasting community is all about. About. It's just being there and there's no dumb questions, no wrong questions. So, no, I appreciate that. Thanks, mate. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. What was your question again? <laughs> How you t- so after my little intro blurb there, uh, I'm sure there's a lot more about the show. Um, oh, sure. That from my- so how about uh, you introduce yourself and sure. the show itself? Sure, absolutely. Uh, poor Danny is going to probably have the most stream of consciousness uh, interviewee person, uh, I think, <laughs> for this episode you're probably going to ever have. The uh, bottom line for the show is we create... Uh, mindful moments for active lives. That's our tagline. And I, uh, my name is Eric Barnhart. I've been a musician pretty much since shortly after coming out of the womb. Uh, I started playing on my brother's Fisher Price toy xylophone <laughs> uh, when I was about two and a half. Uh, and uh, I believe you are like me, a fellow geek, so you will appreciate this. The first movie that I ever saw in the theaters was Star Wars. Also, I talk very fast. I have to remind myself not to talk so fast. Um, but that being said, uh, so I used my Fisher-Price toy xylophone and my Star Wars action figure at the time uh, to play as my little mallet on the xylophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Chewbacca was great because he had a nice round head. Uh, I think uh, C-3PO was also pretty good because it was still fairly round. You could get a good ping. Darth Vader, you'd think it'd be good, but that little angle on the, on the helmet on the back yeah, kind of yeah, messed yeah. things up, I think, a bit. So, <laughs> so I started playing Hot Cross Buns. And Mary Had a Little Lamb on, on uh, my Fisher-Price Actually, my brothers, I, I uh, already at a very early age, I was stealing things from my older brother without him noticing and uh, took this Fisher Price and would pick out little notes. And my parents eventually went, that actually sounds like something. That doesn't sound like him just banging stuff. And uh, figured out pretty early on that I was very uh, attuned to picking out melodies and just had a general affinity for music in general, uh, had the record player, the vinyl, you know, uh, you know, when Star Wars premiered at 77, I actually was old enough to remember seeing Star Wars. So that should date me somewhat of, of my existence thereof. Uh, but the, uh, record players, I would listen to them all the time. And eventually my, uh, parents bought me a a toy organ to play Mm -hmm. because we didn't have keyboards back in the day. And so I would play on that for hours, learning Star Wars, one of the melodies for sure had that. And uh, just had had music in my background for years and years and years. And uh, that led me to lots of different things. Basically, I got a degree in jazz piano and comp- uh, with a mm-hmm. focus in composition uh, at the University of Miami and Florida International uh, led me to go down and do that. Um, and as part of that, I'd never uh, really experienced uh, working in churches as a context uh, growing up. We didn't really go to church growing up or any of those kinds of things. Uh, but I, uh, some of the folks that I met uh, at the University of Miami and Florida International were very active in their churches. And one of the things I came to discover is, oh, there's a lot of work in churches. Uh, and I ended up getting uh, connected uh, to that um, around 94, 95. And uh, Started playing with different campus ministries there, uh, as a, uh, both on piano and singing. And so I've been working with uh, church ministry context since around 95 or so. Um, and from that, gosh, that's been 25 years now. So where Urban Contemplatives uh, sort of arrives, this whole podcast, um, this there's a lot of backstory <laughs> to, to pretty much where this comes from. So... Urban Contemplatives, uh, Creating Mindful Moments for Active Lives, is essentially uh, the extension, if you will, of uh, sort of a mission I've been on for a long time in the sense of uh, how to be able to take the things that I have experienced over my life that have been very positive spiritually and in a community uh, sense, things that have really 
uh, grown me personally, and I've seen benefit people uh, also in community. Things that have helped myself and others to uh, put things like divisiveness, put things like um, uh, one-upmanship, building our own kingdoms, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to try and avoid as much Christianese, uh, the <laughs> jargon that comes around, you know, Christian churches and whatnot, because there's plenty of it, just like anything in the tech world and the music world. So I'm sure. going to try and speak as plainly as possible. And that's another thing that Urban Contemplative is about. We try to not use things that make us feel like an exclusive elite club. Okay. Um, so the goal of urban contemplatives is to try and create a community with these things that are are embodied. First of all, being uh, what's called ecumenical, which is just a big fancy word for hey, guess what? You know, if you're Baptist, if you're Methodist, if you're uh, Anglican, if you're Catholic, cool. Uh, if you're I don't know what the heck I am, cool. You know, if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, cool, come hang with us. That's not, you know, we're not about wearing a specific hat. We're not about championing a, a particular uh, doctrine, mm. right? We're here because we're trying to figure out what makes this world tick, what makes us tick, what makes, uh, what makes life happen, and how can we experience it for ourselves in a ways that are fuller or richer? What are things that we can do to be a more positive uh, force in ourselves and in our community and the lives that we lead? So that's sort of the nutshell about Urban Contemplatives as what we're trying to go from. Um, much of where that came from, I, like I said, I've been involved in serving in churches and working in different kinds of campus ministries. And I'm sh- uh, I think you have a tech background. Is that right, Danny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like uh, like any kind of you know, regular sort of community that you're working in, you're, you're going to have uh, great experiences and not so great experiences, right? And so being in something like this for 25 years, I've seen some really great things, some really great ways to be able to, you know, to, to love your fellow man, to love, your, you know, to love humanity. I've seen some really bad ways to do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh what what I've really tried to do uh, in urban contemplatives is sort of distill the things that I've seen. Wow, this has really worked over here. This has really worked over here. This has really worked over here. Let's champion those things. Let's make something that helps to foster that. Um, does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah, and and I think um, as well, like you, obviously the the podcast is called Mindful Moment, mm-hmm. but the actual project, if you like, the the wider project is the urban contemplatives. Correct. Exactly right. So the and uh, the the way that Mindful Moment came about uh, was uh, actually sort of down the road. So we definitely started with urban contemplatives. Urban contemplatives uh, was sort of my pet project, and it actually came out of. Uh, a worship project study that basically a homework assignment that I had to do. So I did my master's degree at a place called the Institute for Worship Studies. And there are, it's two years, four main classes. And the third class is called post, well, it used to be called postmodernist, postmodernism and Christianity. Now it's called Christianity and contextualism because I think there's too many post- Post, 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 <laughs> postmodernism now. So they're like, yeah, well, let's scrap that title. Basically, how do you communicate uh, the good news in your context, wherever you are, your, your town, your culture, your uh, socioeconomic spread, you know, all the, all the demographics, all the analytics, as we podcasters would say, yeah. right? Uh, and so that class, the, la- the final project was, hey, 
If you see something that needs to be changed, what, what do you think, first off, needs to be changed in your, in your context, with the, wherever you work, right? And so in my case, it would be, I was a music director, I am a music guy at a church here in Traveler's Rest outside of Greenville, South Carolina. So that was my context for that degree. And the question was, what do you see that needs to be fixed? What do you think might be things that you could do to improve? And if you were to improve them, how would you do it? And so that little question set off a chain of events <laughs> that basically right. led to me launching a 501c3, which originally was called Arzarandi. And shockingly, we found that a lot of people didn't know their Latin as well as we thought they might, uh, couldn't even pronounce the name right. So we switched <laughs> it to Urban Contemplatives, which was the name of basically the target audience in that worship project. We called mm -hmm. that person the Urban Contemplative. And so we switched it to Urban Contemplatives. So from that worship project, we launched basically sort of uh, an experiment, if you will, on, okay, if we were going to do worship in a way that uh, ministers to me personally, uh, that connects on things that I'm missing, uh, what would it look like? And what we've, you know, what, so much of this, Danny, has honestly been born out of, you know, you can probably already tell, Eric talks way too fast. Eric <laughs> runs and guns. Eric talks too stream of consciousness. Eric needs to slow down, right? <laughs> right. Okay. And so much of what I found, um, after working for, for so long in churches, you know, I would love to dedicate a time to where I just chill out and I let God speak and I listen and hear what God has to say. I would love to take a time where I can, instead of having to do, 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 and, and instead of having to listen to a talking head, uh, tell me about God, how about I just let God tell me about God? And so many of the things that we do and urban contemplative, actually, most of the things were really born out of this sense, really, for me personally. You know, I have, I know I have this need. I wonder if other people do too. And so we launched a little test run, a little get together uh, with a few friends we invited, and folks seemed to like it. And it seemed to work okay. So let's, let's go ahead and try a few more. So it was just these little gatherings, as we call them, that we did for about a year, year and a half. And folks really started to enjoy it. We started to refine, to retool. And essentially what it was, it was myself on uh, keyboard or piano, depending on the venue, and uh, on vocals, a friend of mine uh, who also works with me and plays, uh, Trey, on guitar and vocals. And then we had a uh, cellist and a violinist. And so that was our band. I'm a musician by trade. You know, I, I've been teaching since 1995, been working in churches, playing piano. I was a lounge piano hotel player four or five <laughs> nights a week for over 10 years. So that's, that's my background. So that's, that's what I know I can bring and do well to a context like that. Uh, and so that's what we did. We would take music that we shaped uh, to be almost like film score music, right? right. Sort of the soundtrack, um, things that you could hear, but not be so focused on an intent that it would take you out of being able to sit still and to let your mind wander and to let it connect and be able to say, okay, let's focus on this topic. That was our goal, to be able to create a space where people could listen to God in a group. And that's really challenging for 21st century people because if you want to make a human being uncomfortable in this day and age, tell them to sit in a room with 20 other people that they don't know that well in silence. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, I find silence uncomfortable, even with some of my closest friends at times. So you're always thinking, I should be breaking the silence. I should be saying something. You know, so I can imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, I can only imagine what that would be like, you know, with, with 20 strangers, as you mentioned. 
And I'll tell you, Daddy, working with churches for so long, there, there's a section called the uh, confessions and the assurances and other times of prayer, right? And we wanted to give folks an opportunity to be able to sit there and be able to sort of dwell within silence and listen to God, but we don't do it in most churches. Western church does not do that for that exact reason, because uh, they'll be you know, okay, let's pray. Let's pray silently now. Okay, so now we <laughs> just move right on because right. even the people leading it were not that comfortable with it, with just direct silence. So what we try to do musically is we just try to create this little, this little backdrop, if you will, sort of this, the film score, allowing people to, okay, I don't hear the person next to me breathing. <laughs> they don't yeah. hear me shuffling about, you know, and that kind of gives me sort of that space. I'm creating an acoustic space around them and around myself. So, okay, we, we sort of feel safer, secure. Um, that people, we're not being as self-conscious. We're not uh, self-policing and self-monitoring everyone. Mm-hmm. And folks have really uh, resonated with that. Um, now, go ahead. You'd mentioned that, um, obviously, it's for anybody and everybody, yeah. um, regardless of yeah, religious beliefs, creed, um, you know, which religion you're affinity, uh, affinity with. That's not even a word. Uh, you have affinity now. with. <laughs> <laughs> affinity. I'm going to put that down on like a Webster Miriam or yeah, Miriam. I think Webster, Webster Miriam just said, you know, they've got irregardless in there. They now, have, so, yeah. you know, yeah. They can have anything now. <laughs> right. So, so w- with that in mind then, have you found, like, especially maybe in the early days of getting the, the project and then the podcast together, uh, but more so the project, I guess, is um, mm-hmm. did you have any sort of button heads or people that were bringing too much of their own beliefs and trying to mm. make that the, the core, if you like, or yeah. is that has that not really been something you've had to deal with? That's a great question. And the reality is that we have had people when they first, so, uh, first inquire about the group. So, hey, uh, I saw this on Facebook and it says, you know, you have some Latin in there. Does that mean you're Catholic, and uh, like you, you can almost smell it coming a mile away. It, the sort of the the presuppositions. That's 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 a good uh, way of putting it. You know, of like, okay, if I'm going to look at this, uh, I've got to see it through this lens, and is this approved by whatever my particular you know set of beliefs will approve? Um, generally speaking, uh, those people weed out quickly. <laughs> you know, uh, I have had people who come in and 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 and. and very much so we will encourage conversation. We will encourage dialogue. Uh, so people will come at things from a particular angle. Hey, what do you, what do you think about doing this? You know, or I was uncomfortable with this context. What did you mean by that? And that's actually the exact kinds of things that we look for in terms of conversation afterwards uh, as part of our Facebook groups. We want to talk through things. Now, if we want, we're not looking to proselytize at the same time. Like, I'm not trying to make anybody a Presbyterian. I'm not trying to make anybody a Catholic. I'm not trying to make anybody anything. Because one of the things that I've really resonated with, there's a group called Tizay that's out in the southern France. And uh, they're actually a group, uh, they're monks. Um, Actually, uh, really cool guys. But they basically, when they bring in a brother... Uh, they've been around since the 40s, and uh, Brother Roger la- launched them. But when they bring in uh, a new brother, they uh, that person may come from any background. And they tell him, hey, don't give up being Anglican. Anglican's cool. We like the fact that you're Anglican. So please identify as Anglican because, you know, I'm over here. I'm Presbyterian, or I was Baptist. You know, I am Baptist. And the way that you see the world and the way that you see God is going to be through a different lens. Uh, just like... And all of us, you, you could be 
you know, of no affiliation and you're going to see the world differently. Just, you know, Danny, you're going to see things differently from how I see it. And affirming that you're coming from a totally different perspective. You're a different subjective participant in an objective reality, right? So you're going to be seeing things that I will never have seen. You're going to have experiences that I've never experienced. And what we try to do is affirm that truth. And we affirm the fact that I can grow by what you, Danny, have to say, but you know, what your perspective is going to, we could be talking about the exact same thing, but through your lens, I will see something totally I may never have ever seen or experienced. And that's going to enrich who I am and enrich my understanding of that thing and of you and of myself. Does that make sense? No, it does. I know you mentioned earlier, you're a huge Star Wars fan. Yes. First movie you saw was uh, Star Wars. Same yes. here. Somebody who's 77 as a, an eight-year-old boy. Went yes. Amazing. The big shot when the Star Destroyer comes overhead, <sighs> that was how I was sold. But uh, yeah, so to, to use the, um, the Star Wars example, I guess, mm-hmm. um, The Last Jedi polarized fans. Oh, it did. Way down the middle. Yes. Um, so I, I guess to that point, you can have that polarized point of view mm-hmm. because two people will see it was the greatest Star Wars movie ever, or it's the worst Star Wars movie ever. Right. <laughs> um, I still think Fire the Phantom Menace is up there as the worst, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so, how do you sort of encourage that? I, I know you mentioned that, that it comes with openness, and you know you're not forcing people, if you like, to give up on their own beliefs. Yeah. How do you encourage the the sort of openness when it can be really polarizing? That, that's 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 actually that's a great question as well, and that's something that we, that I have to think through on virtually every episode I do. But before before I answer that, I will have to address the fact that uh, I am honored and humbled to have a Star Wars reference as a parallel to you know, or analogous <laughs> to anything that I would do. Uh, I will say this, and that's that's a great uh, way of saying it. Be- I remember reading. Um, Oh God, Ray, the uh, actress. Uh, Daisy Ridley. Thank you. Yes, Daisy Ridley. So saying, gosh. These Star Wars fans, they're rough. About <laughs> 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 some things. Yeah, especially with the final, the movie. And just, man, they could really, yes, they can. They can. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such a great analogy because in so many ways, Star Wars fans are just, you know, we're a cult following to some, you know, we've, we, you got the Luke, well, you know, warm area, the, you know, the, what they call it, the, um, the fair weather fans kind right, of, you yeah. know, when the new movie's out. But then you got us, you know, I have probably, I could point one, two, three, four. I have a rug of the Millennium Falcon in my studio right, as we talk nice. right now that I'm sitting on. <laughs> okay. So that's a pretty you know, devoted following. And um, the fact is that we can still love the same movie, right? And and hate on it at the same time. And I am not a person who uh, I'll listen to all the different examples of why this and that. And like, okay. But you know what? At the end of the day, I went and saw the movie and I liked it. You know, it was Star Wars. I loved it, you know. And while I can see that person's perspective of why that may not have been something that, okay, sure, sure, sure. But the bottom line for me is whether it was canon, whether it was not canon, whether it was this or that or the other thing, the bottom line is, was it a, was it a story that I enjoyed? You know, did it take me in? Did I enjoy the story? Because that's why I'm going to see a movie. I'm going to go, I'm going to a movie uh, because I, I want to see a story with characters that I want to feel vested in and, and see something happen that moves me, you know, that's entertaining, that I connect with, that makes me go, wow. J.J. Um, Abrams, you know, talking about the first movie, said, you know, his little bar of what they decided went to the cutting floor and what they kept in and said, what do we just delight in i remember him saying that in an interview what what something's just oh i just feel like this has got to be in there you know and and so he i think was the perfect director for the first of the last three 
horrible choice for nine. See, but again, that's my opinion. And that's cool. Like I don't, I hold it loosely. And so when we go in and we talk and turn it back around to urban contemplatives, I hold it loosely. Uh, first off, you know, th- I, I try and do as much as I can to not make opinions convictions and to not make convictions axioms. Because uh, first of all, what do I know? I'm just a dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just a guy. Like, d- no, there is no one person in this world. Please forgive me, Pope. But there is, because I'm sure he's listening to this podcast <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> Dedicated <laughs> listeners coming from the <laughs> Oh, I really hope I don't get into trouble. Um, so, but the point is, it's that there's no one that has the direct access line to God over everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so we're all trying to figure this out together. And so remembering that, number one. Um, and so when we go in to whatever we do, I try and frame it from that perspective. Like, I'm not an expert. In fact, when we have our gatherings and our meetings, I say straight up, what we are not, we are, none of us are experts. You know, that's built into my script because we aren't. No one's, you know, have I been doing this a little bit longer than somebody? Maybe. Sure. Does that mean that they're not going to have anything insightful to say to me? If they didn't, I'm not sure I'd want to be doing gatherings, right? I think anybody who steps through that door or listens to this podcast or joins my Facebook community group, you know, and is engaging with us on a topic has something to say. Whether or not you know, it's something I'm going to agree with, whether it's not, it's going to be something that's going to profoundly shape my, the next step. No, it doesn't matter as much as it is that the conversation itself is happening, and I need to be open because you know I, one of the the fun phrases is teachable moment, Dad. You know, you got to have a teachable <laughs> moment. I have a, I have a 17 year old, so right. um, so you hear all these fun things. But yeah, I think every moment's a teachable moment. You know, when we talk about mindful moments and why we call the podcast that, it's because I think every moment we need to be mindful of. You know, we only have, you know, we were talking about my wife's uh, birthday this weekend earlier, and, you know, she just made another trip around the sun. We only get so many of those, and we don't know when our trip may come to an abrupt halt. We don't. Nobody knows, you know, nobody measures the days, you know, of, uh, uh, usually of, of, of how that works. Um, you know, best laid plans of mice and men, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's important to take a, a moment to pause, right? Mm-hmm. It's important to remind ourselves, first of all, that each moment that goes by will not come again. We don't know how many moments are leading out in front of us. And because of that, it is a commodity. It is a resource that is not renewable. We, and, we, and we don't even know how much we got, <laughs> right? And wow, that's heavy. You know, when, you, when you take a moment to stop about that and think about that, just that little step can allow me to go, Wait a minute. What what am I worrying about right now? What am I fretting about? Why am I fretting about that thing? You know? What have what's really important? And I know I need those reality checks all the time. I don't know about you, Danny, but you know, I get my head down and I just plow. And sometimes completely forget, oh wait a minute. You know, what did even happen today? Mm. And why was I doing what I was doing today? And I personally need to build more and more of these moments in my life so I take pause, say, okay, is where I'm going, is that what's really important? Is that what I really want to spend and look back? And if I was gone, you know, tomorrow, is that a day I would have spent that way? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, where am I lining myself up? 
I think these quest these are such important questions that our our Western culture is beginning to embrace more. I, you see the mindfulness buzz. You see a lot of the you know uh, meditation, mindfulness, a lot of these things. These are great things. Um, and one of the things that I want to be able to encourage is to be able to do that, not just on a personal level, but on a community level, to be able to reaffirm those kinds of things. Now, I come at it, again, from a Christian perspective. Um, and so that's that's sort of the, the way I know how to frame it and house it. Um, but gosh, I mean, I've, I, I, I hear great things. You know, uh, Thomas Merton was one of the pioneers of the 20th century monastic movement. Brilliant guy. And pretty much all the cats that I, I, I run with think Thomas Merton is the bomb. And they would use that term, really. All the monks, no, they yeah. would not use that term. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas Merton, who was essentially the icon for so many monastics and still is today. In fact, he was sort of uh he laid the the the, the groundwork for uh a group of monks not far from where i live here in, in the charleston area at mebkin abbey uh they're part of the cistercian order and I've, I've gone to visit there several times they have a great spiritual retreat center there that is open to anyone and i learned a lot of what i have taken and imported into urban contemplatives in our gatherings as well as our mindful moment series from visiting there as well as other sources but thomas merton uh came from that same order, the Cistercian order, the Benedictine order, his number one goal was to go see how other folks practiced meditation, contemplation, uh, contemplative prayer. And you know where he dreamed of going was Tibet, <laughs> because <laughs> those guys have been doing it way even longer than Christians had, even if you go back mm. to the Desert Fathers. These guys are pros at this, you know, if you will. It's like, I want to see how these guys do it. And he actually, were, he, he for years and years and years, he wrote about it, wanted to do it, and then he actually ended up dying there through a tragic accident. He finally got to go wow. and then died there. Uh, but he was able to comment some on his experience there, and it pretty much affirmed everything he thought that uh, it was going to be like. Like, these guys are amazing. And so... As a guy who had basically been devoted to contemplative life, contemplative prayer, to go and go, wow, these guys are amazing. We can learn from anyone, you know, if we humble ourselves and if, you know, the whole idea, the whole Christian ethos, the, the entire gospel story, when you look at Christ and you look at what Paul said about Christ in Philippians, he, he's God, guys. Let's... You have a problem listening to somebody, uh, maybe a different perspective than you? Okay, he's God. <laughs> right. Back up for a second. He is God. He came to earth, and he didn't come to earth. You know, all right, I'm here. We're going to solve all the problems. Uh, Y'all, uh, carry me around. You know, one of those cute little seat things. I always forget the names of them. You know, ride me on your shoulders. You know, uh, like Cleopatra. You know, I've got eight million minions to do my ever bidding. No, that's not. He humbled himself. He, his final processional, the final week of his life, was started on a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't a Lexus. It wasn't a Tesla. It yeah. was a donkey. Okay? And so, our model, that's one of the reasons why I love Christianity, and I love the story of Christianity, the narrative of, of what we're talking about, because I think there are so many great things that are embodied with the person we're trying to emulate, who is Christ. That guy would talk with anyone, everyone, anywhere. We talked with the woman of the well. She was a Samaritan from John 4. This is a woman who, you know, nobody would talk. She went to the well at noon because that way she could avoid everyone because right. she was the outcast. And she's like, hey, what's up? 
<laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you know, and that is what we try to emulate with what we're trying to be about. We try and be humble ourselves. We try not to presume. And so that that's our goal. We try and allow, we try and create space. And you know, what's so funny just by doing that will weed out a lot of people. Hmm. Um, because we don't, it, what I do, it's funny. I don't know how much background you have around Christianity or churches or whatnot, but, um, by doing what we do, by by sort of being labeled contemplatives, by being labeled part of contemplative prayer, that goes harkens back to the same tradition called mysticism, uh, and that term uh, does not sit well with evangelicals, especially mainstream conservative evangelicals, which I've worked with a lot mm. over the years, which is funny. Um, in fact, most of my gigs that I've worked with have been in fairly mainstream conservative Presbyterian churches over the years. The term mysticism, I heard very early on, like, oh, a mysticism thing. And so, uh, I'm like, oh, what is it? And so that's the worst thing to do with me, <laughs> by the way. It's like, well, I don't know. You shouldn't check that out. You know, I'm like a four-year-old. Really? Really? Okay. How do I, how do I not find out about it? As he Googles over his shoulder, you know? Um, so, and what I have come to experience over the years is, is yeah, exa- exactly that in terms of, there's some great things over here in this tradition uh, that, because just like the Reformation and Catholicism, you know, baby bathwater kind of thing. A lot of things got thrown out. Um, and part of that is just giving space and being able to listen to God. And and those are some of the things that uh, a lot of people in evangelism, no, this is really good. You know, this, these are things we need to do. But in practice, they don't really happen that often, or if they do, they're in very limited supply. And so, urban contemplatives and mindful moment, which has sprung out of that, has really come as a response to saying, hey, I think we're missing some of these other great things that also happen in other traditions, guys. I think we could really benefit from this. And so, as a supplement to what you guys do on Sunday mornings, because I'm not going to tell you how to run your show. You know, if this is what you want to be, this is awesome. And I think it's doing some great work. I think it's very beneficial. I'm not going to change the DNA of Western church. <laughs> it's, right. it's not my goal. It's not my calling. It's not my, you know, it's not what I do, right? I'm just a guy who wiggles my fingers for a living. I'm a piano player. I'm a coder. You know, I, I wiggle my fingers, right? But I can wiggle my fingers over here and give some people space. And so that's what we do. Um, but just by being associated with that, unfortunately, because of the divisiveness that is rampant in our world, uh, just by identifying positively with something, we're going to be associated negatively by other folks. Mm. And that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. The folks who are open to it, great. And we're going to try and still engage in dialogue and have conversations with people who are open. The skeptics, like, hey, what's this, this mysticism thing? In fact, my very first conversation was with a guy uh, that I ever interviewed about uh, Urban Templates with. He actually was a, a, a former church member. I had worked at a church where that's how I met him. And he comes from a, sort of that background. And he said, well, what are you talking about really with this? And so it was a great conversation. And I think I changed some of his presuppositions. But right. oh, Oh, that's actually not so scary. Oh, okay. You're not, you know, sacrificing goats at what you do. You're not, you know, snake handling or anything. And, uh, you know, no virgins have, you know, been sacrificed for the cause here. We're all good. And so, and that might actually be helpful. I could use some of that. Okay. Now you've just, um, you've just uh, finished season one, I believe of the the show. Yep. Um, and you've got season two planning out or? Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Now I know we were speaking earlier about, uh, You've got a lot of content um, that you can reuse because you've got video this time, and yes. that's one of the things. What, 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 what's your plans for the, the podcast over the next 12 months and beyond? 
oh, Danny, I have so many plans. <laughs> I have so many plans. We'll take over the world. No. So the um, so mindful moment essentially happened. It launched uh, in April 12th. I think it was our first episode uh, because we had been looking for some time uh, towards launching a supplement. Our gatherings are happening monthly, right? And several of the folks said, hey, these things are great, but we would love to have something to help us with continuity. You know, we really are able to take time out, but we want to help develop our own contemplative practices on a daily or at least weekly basis. Is there anything you can do? And I was pretty maxed at the time. So I said, yeah, that's something we can do down the road. And then COVID and Mm. everything got shut down. I said, okay, well, you know, that thing that we looked at about a year down the road, let's do that now. And so we did. And I really didn't, because of that, I had not been able to put a lot of the prep time into planning uh, before launch. So much of this was hitting the ground running saying, okay, we need to take this idea of what we've done. We need to make it into a format. I didn't even know it was going to be a podcast <laughs> like until oh, yeah. the week before. I said, we need to do something and we need to help our community in this, you know, in these uncertain times. Uh, you know, we need to do something that helps them through this, this whole new level of anxiety and stress while we can't meet. And so we started developing. I just you know, th- started figuring out, okay, it can't be long. It's going to be 10 to 15 minutes. I still like the components of having time for prayer and having a conversation like we've been doing. Boom. Mindful moment. That's pretty much how it came together. And the first couple episodes were okay. And as we kind of kept forming it and forming it, it sort of gelled and coalesced into something what we have now. All that being said, that was season one, 12 episodes. Seemed to work really well. It really worked well for our pacing. It really worked well for our structure. I have had many people from our community go, uh, I hate to tell you this, but I like the mindful moment better than your gatherings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's an affirmation. We'll take it. We'll run with it. We'll, we'll see how we can use that to inform everything that we do. And so season two is coming up, launching in September. And now that we have a format that we have sort of settled upon, though I think that folks really like, uh, we took the month of July off. We're going to take pre-production in August. We're uh, taking all the awesome ideas that uh, I rip, I'm ripping off from Danny using <laughs> Calendly and all, all different structure. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's a good way to do that, Danny. Thank you. Yes, I will do that with my guests going and forth. And so we're taking all these different ideas in terms of getting uh, our guests lined up, getting guests uh, contributors musically for mm-hmm. our musical reflections. They're going to be doing that. Several folks have agreed to do that. So really excited about that. Uh, our conversation guests that we'll be bringing on, we have been doing Zoom videos in the past because I, I thought it just would work. And I didn't know whether we would want to use video content later down the road. So I said, you know what? Easier to say no uh, to something we already have than saying yes to something we don't have and right. suddenly have, you know. And so uh, we've test piloted a couple of video contents down the road. We're going to start putting that in our membership section for those who want to have uh, be able to support us and have sort of the, the premium content. And that's definitely the model that we're going going towards is having the Mindful Moment podcast be sort of the the freemium, the, the, the quality uh, content that we offer will always be free, that we'll always uh, have provided for our community at large. For those that want to do more of a deep dive, for those that want to be able to know more what's going on, our conversations will be structured going forth that we'll definitely have a four to five minute mindful moment uh, bit that will go with the episodes. And then I'll be asking other questions for each guest that they will be able to get if they want to delve more into sort of that conversation that I have with that person. 
Okay, cool. And that launches in September, correct? Yes, yeah, whatever that first, September 6th, I want to say. That's not right. Okay, and that's, yeah, because you publish weekly, correct, on the show. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So okay. 12 more episodes, and we'll run uh, September through November. Yep. Okay, and you're just doing 12 episodes per season. That's your cutoff point? Exactly. So the structure will be 12 episodes, one month off so I can regain my sanity, um, <laughs> and then one month pre-production, and then launch another 12. Okay. So just to flip it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and this is something I just like to ask the guests because yeah. I'm, I'm always curious about the, the answers that come back. So for anybody that might know you or think they might know you reasonably well, or anybody that's been listening to the show and start to think they've got an idea of who you are, <laughs> what's one thing that might surprise them if they knew it about you? Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Ugh, so many things. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll do uh, two things. One is uh, I, my, my current... Uh, culinary goals i'm trying to learn how to make good ramen because yeah because we have like one ramen shop in town that's it and uh, everywhere i've i've been able to travel a lot over the last few years i've been able to go to london and to iona and to scotland by the way scotland best cider i've had yet so i'm a big (laughs) cider fan and uh thistly cross shout out to those guys fantastic and it pairs well with the murder blue cheese that i also had at iona so the best blue cheese i've ever had and the best cider both at iona in Scotland. Um, but so I've been able to travel a lot. And I, and as part of that goal, I, I try ramen wherever I go, whatever the new shops. And we honestly have one of the best ramen shops I've, I've eaten right here in Greenville, South Carolina, but it's one place. So I'm trying to take my really meager culinary skills and try to figure out right, how do I make this? So that's been my latest project. The musical uh, thing that uh, a lot of people probably don't know about me, uh, which is funny because people encounter me from different, uh, perspectives. They'll see me at the lounge piano gig, right? Like, oh, he must be really into this. Or they'll see me at church. Oh, you must be really into this. Seeing me play at the contemporary service. So he must really be into contemporary music. And then they'll see me play me at the traditional service where I'm playing an organ. Oh, you must really be into this. So, you know, everyone has a piece. My favorite band of all time, bar none, Jethro Tull. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you can't see this on the podcast, so I'm going to show it and I'm going to describe it. This right here, Danny. This is a this is a dream fulfilled of many decades. This is a, a Martin LXE1 left-handed guitar. So when I was in my teens, my brother, who is a horrible musician, he will tell you right <laughs> off the bat. Hi, John, if you're listening. Um, what what a great taste in music. Couldn't hold a tune in a bucket. Um, you know, the size of Texas, where he lives. And, uh, but he loved Jethro Tull. He's the one who got me interested in Jethro Tull. But he uh, asked me, to write out back back in the day, you know, we didn't have you know ultimateguitar.com or the uh, the apps for it. Said, hey, can you transcribe? Uh, Wish you were here by Pink Floyd for me. And I'm like, okay, I'll try and figure it out. So, but I borrowed his you know twenty twenty dollar pawn shop guitar, trying to figure it out one day. And he came in and saw me. Go, what are you doing? I'm like, man, I'm just doing you know, bro, what, what you asked me to. I'm trying to figure out the chart. It's like, no, that's not it. You're holding it upside down and backwards. <laughs> oh. And, you know, because I'm left-handed. And so, mm, no. I, and to this day, I could not figure it out for me. I've tried the other way. And so, years and years, I just put it off because I've always studied, you know, piano. And I'm like, all right, I don't really have an excuse. Well, in February, I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do this. So, I ordered myself a left-handed guitar. And it's a Martin LXE one, which is the, the portable sort of model off of Ian Anderson, who's the lead flautist uh, singer mm-hmm. and, and basically the genius behind Jethro Tull. Uh, that is modeled off of his Martin 016 NYE uh, that he used to play, which was sort um, 
not quite a parlor size acoustic guitar. And uh, he used silk and steel strings back in the day. So guess what I have? Silk and steel strings. And uh, it, it basically, it was, it was the cheapest Martin I could find. <laughs> that was about <laughs> the same size, same kind of body style, and a contemporary build because the Jethro Tull acoustic guitar sound of the 70s and aqualung was an okay album but you know pretty much that um minstrel in the gallery that's probably my standard right there for the acoustic guitar sound just love it and then of course it goes to songs of the woods heavy horses album but all that period in the 70s that is the acoustic guitar that i love and will cherish today so i'm finally teaching myself i have started thick as a brick the opening riff right. I'm, I'm gonna get it so that most people would never know that how is uh, that how's that no, that's awesome. I, I like <laughs> Jeff Rotel when you mentioned that. I mean, I haven't listened to them a lot, but when I was a, a kid growing up, my uncle would play it in the background. You know, anytime we'd go visit, my uncle would have Jeff Rotel on. Um, and t- to your point, like the guitar on that, even as a, a six, seven year old kid or whatever, I was, I was like, whoa, what's this? It's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. So, like, this has been like a real blast. I really appreciate oh, you coming you. on today and I really enjoyed the chat. It's, I think, it's, it's like, it always interests me um, how people approach religion and spirituality and their belief system uh, and how that blends and mixes with other people's. Because um, often, like you mentioned, we can get a, a big disconnect. Mm-hmm. And to see it come together and try to open up to everybody and, and learn from each other, I think that's something we need more of in the world for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know like the listeners of the, today's episode is going to hopefully take that away and you know start asking more questions of, them, of themselves and how to, to be better people for sure. So for people that want to connect with you, either listen to the podcast, check out the, 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 the program, uh, check out the, now the gatherings, are they, I, I'm going to assume pre-COVID they would be physical gatherings, but now Correct. it's all online. Yes. So can people join in as like a Zoom gathering? How can people connect with you? Yes. That's, thank, thanks for asking that. And, and, and thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. So right now we are not doing, we haven't done gatherings during this time. We've been focusing almost exclusively on the podcast. Going forth, one of the plans that we have, uh, and we were talking about this earlier too, is adding video content more and more. Um, one of the things I've learned from Mark and you know, through Rebel Base and through Captivate and just observing other content creators is live streaming is is a great thing. And of course, one of the things I appreciate about Mark and that he doesn't really hint on, I, I, by the way, listen to that episode. That was a great episode uh, oh, on Podcast <laughs> Stories. Yeah. Um, what a hoot, that guy. I tell you. Um, and you're a DC, I think you're a DC Comics fan too, which also, mm-hmm. yes, I'm, oh, oh gosh, big comics fan. Um, but so, but one of the things that you know, he, he's, uh, doesn't often mention, uh, other than in passing is his musician background, right? And I think you asked him the same question, like, well, we opened for White Snake once or something like right. that, which was so great. Um, he has a sensibility about marketing. He's been doing it for a- ages, but he also has the understanding of audio distribution and platforms and the whole system that I think that goes, he has probably a bit of a heart string that he, he plucks on that with that. And of course, music uh, has been such a pioneer and such a, a progenitor to so many of the things that have happened in the internet space, if into interwebs, if you will, right? And mm-hmm. you know, with MP3s and then with streaming, we have really led the way uh, in the music industry. We have, we have paved that path so that uh, others uh, can benefit from it. And I think uh, some of the comments he made about Spotify, some of the comments that he made in that interview, and, and I've seen just in general, is that many of the things that uh, are happening in podcasting and in our uh, in our business, in our industry, and in just our 
overall model of distributions and production, um, we're sort of uh, piggybacking on what has happened in the music industry. Like, well, this works for them, and 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 the video and seeing all those things sort of okay, cool, that works for them. We could borrow from that. We can utilize that to make our audience uh, benefit to help our audience benefit from what we're trying to do and be able to grow our audience, be able to shape that. And so seeing all these live streams from musicians mm. uh, in COVID time, that's, you know, I have several friends uh, who went and said, okay, I don't have access. To, you know, I was just talking with my friend who's like, okay, my calendar is pretty open right now. They were something like, Hey, could you play such and such? Yes. <laughs> the answer, I don't even, you don't even tell me a day. The answer is yes, I can right. play that date because it's just it's such a dearth right now uh, of bookings. And um, the live streams have really been a lifeline to a lot of these folks. Now it's hard to make you know, to replace that income that way. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible really from un unless you really have your digital marketing act and you've got some money to throw at it, but it has been a lifeline and it has been able to keep that connection with uh, uh, musicians and their audience, their fans, their followers. And that's exactly what we intend to do going into season two uh, with our Facebook community. You know, we have the content and we have the community. That's how we look at it. Facebook is our community. That's where we want people to be able to stay connected and find out about what we're doing and be able to interact with one another. So we've got the Facebook group, the, the Mindful Moment listeners, and that's where we're going to start posting live streams. That's where we're going to start being able to put some pre-recorded video content. So actually this whole week, I'm, I'm resetting up my studio so the video cameras that I've been using, we're going to get all the lighting right. We're going to get everything super set and uh, be able to start doing that, hopefully starting in about two weeks. So, okay. yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I'll make sure to, anybody that's listening on the podcast apps, uh, I'll make sure to drop the, the links to the Urban uh, Collect, sorry, Urban Com Con <laughs> Urban contemplative. I struggle with words uh, so bad at times. It, it's okay. You, you're not the only one. Sometimes even I get it wrong. And, uh, you know, it, it was a very low bar that we set when, when I said, yeah, let's call ourselves Ars Arandi. You know, hey, anything's an improvement over that. And so we to, so even urban contemplatives, which is totally a tongue twister, but at least I can practice that and get it down. Right. But people who've been part of it get it wrong all the time. So don't feel, feel bad at all. <laughs> well, I'll be sure. And I appreciate that. I'll be sure to leave all the links to the website, the podcast and the social channels uh, in the show notes. So make sure if you're listening on your favorite podcast app to, you know, check out the show notes to get these details for it. So Eric, as I mentioned, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Um, I've certainly you know, taken away a lot of stuff that I'll be you know, doing more. I mentioned earlier that we'd moved up uh, like a, away from the big city back in November and we wanted a quieter life, a more mindful life, if you like. So, you know, stuff like this, it's really where my, my mindset is at the moment, where mm -hmm. I'm heading towards. So well, brother, it. thank you. Yeah, brother, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to get to know you more through through this conversation, and that's really what we're about. And so, uh, being able to take this time, I just really appreciate you offering me the opportunity. It's been great. Thanks for having me. No, for sure. All right, guys. Well, this has been another episode of Podcaster Stories. If you enjoyed this week's show, be sure to check out podcasterstories.com where you can find more shows and more episodes and also sign up to the free newsletter to get extra bonus content. And if you prefer listening to your favorite podcast app, you can find it pretty much anywhere, App Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and more. Until the next time, guys, take care and be safe.